Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Thank you all for coming this morning. I'm glad to see all the smiling faces. Glad you all are here to worship with one another. Today is corporate communion, so if you didn't get the elements when you walked in, there'll be a chance for you a little bit later to grab those from somebody else. If you would like to worship this morning, not only in praise and singing and clapping of the hands, but communion, if you'd like to give a donation, worship with your tithes and offerings. We have boxes around the auditorium and outside the lobby. And uh, Corinthians says God loves a cheerful giver, so give with a cheerful heart. Be happy about it. Uh, amen. Stand up with me this morning. Let's get ready to praise and worship. Father God, you are amazing in all that you're able to do in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you're in our midst. Holy Spirit, come and minister to us as individuals and corporately. Just have your way, have your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. Father, you are holy. You are worthy of all of our praise, everything we have to offer, Lord. Father, it is our prayer this morning that our eyes would be open to see you. Lord, to see your kingdom being revealed before our eyes in this earth. Lord, your word says that not one word you have spoken will return void. Lord, every word that comes out of your mouth, Lord, produces fruit and accomplishes exactly what you've sent it out to do. Father, we ask that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, in your kingdom, Lord, today, in our lives today. Father, we ask all of these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. If you're a guest, welcome. For those of us joining online, welcome. We've been uh, on a series in Acts for the last few weeks, and we're continuing that this morning. And the title of the series is The Acts of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we looked at Uh, disunity and unity, and we're going to continue that discussion this morning. And disunity is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, You would think it would take more than one person to have disunity. But if we were all to be honest with ourselves this morning, we would have to admit that's just not the case. Uh, How often have you had disunity in your own heart and mind? You know, can you think of a time when you were trying to make a decision and you just can't make the, make the decision? You can't come up with a solution uh, to the problem and you're, you go back and forth and back and forth and you think, you know, if I, if I take this action or if I do this, I might uh, make these people upset or it might not work out like I think. So maybe I should do this, but if I take this action and make this decision, well, then these people might get upset or it may not work out the way I planned and sometimes we'll, we'll make the decision and we'll, we'll have committed to it, but then we start questioning that and say, well, maybe I still made the wrong decision. Maybe I shouldn't have done this and it's not working out the way that I thought it was going to and I, dang it, I should have done the other thing. And this is just ourself. Throw one more person into the mix and see how hard it is to get unity and how easy it is uh, to be in disunity. 
Paul gave a good example of this inner struggle that I'm describing in Romans 7:19. He said, "For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing." He's saying, I can't even control the lust of my flesh. I decide in my heart and in my soul something that I want to do, and I say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And what he's saying is, I find later on, maybe even later on that same day, I find myself in the middle of those actions, out of unity with himself. We can't even control ourselves. And, and disunity just gets more complicated when you add more people, even just one. As we continue this series on Acts this morning, and the Acts of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be focusing on unity in the body of Christ and the part that the Holy Spirit plays in that unity. But before we get into that, what, what we're going to look at is how the Holy Spirit brings unity and why the Holy Spirit brings unity when he comes. And as we do that, we're going to see that there is something called divine unity in the Godhead between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. The scriptures clearly show the three persons of the Godhead acting in unity in all of the mighty works that are done throughout scripture and that that the Godhead has done in all of the universe. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the work of creation is attributed to God the Father. Most of us know this passage. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was also involved in the creation according to Colossians 1, 15 through 16. It says, He, speaking of Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. Nothing was made in heaven or on earth visible or invisible, apart from Jesus Christ. And finally, Job and Psalm reference the acts of the Holy Spirit in creation. Job 26.13 says, By His wind, by His breath, by His Spirit, the heavens were made fair. And Psalm 104.30 says, When you send forth your Spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. So we see through the Scriptures that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit operated in perfect unity as they created all things. One of the clearest descriptions in Scripture of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit being three persons but one God and working together in complete and total unity is found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 at the baptism of Jesus Christ. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on Him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is My beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. 
Jesus Christ is baptized. The Holy Spirit descends upon Him and rests upon Him. And God the Father speaks from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. All three working together in perfect unity. We're going to look at one more passage on this subject, and it's probably one of the most beautiful descriptions in Scripture on the atonement. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. It says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, offered Himself without blemish to God the Father. When we first started this series, we looked at uh, where Jesus commanded the disciples. He said, go and wait. Do not go anywhere. Do not do anything until you have received the power from the Holy Spirit. And that word power, it's not just miraculous power. It, it, it is that as well, but it also describes the ability to do. And what we just read in Hebrews said that Jesus Christ was given the ability to offer Himself up as the sacrifice that God the Father had asked Him to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Luke last week, we looked at when Jesus came uh, out of the wilderness after the temptation, it said the Holy Spirit came upon Him in power, both for the miraculous and for the ability to do what He had to do in walking out His life. And His whole life, the life of Jesus Christ, is an example for us on how we're supposed to follow God. And if Jesus Christ needed the power, the ability given to Him from the Holy Spirit to do what God had called Him to do, how much more do we need the power of the Holy Spirit to follow Him? All three persons of the Godhead working together in complete unity to make the atonement and salvation available to all of humanity. This doctrine, this divine doctrine of unity, means that there is but one God who exists in perfect unity. Between His attributes, no contradiction can exist. This is beyond our comprehension God is beyond our ability to understand. What God has done in Scripture in sending Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is is the best He can possibly do to relate to us. Before the foundation of the earth, Revelation says, Jesus Christ was sacrificed because God knew before He created us that we were going to screw things up, that we were going to need a Savior And He made a way. He had a plan that has never changed. God hasn't gone to plan B. He's never created one. There never will be one. He has one way. His Word went forth from the very beginning in total unity. And it's going to stay that way until the very end. And He's made a way and He describes these things and it doesn't make sense to us. How can God be three and one? I don't know, but He is. And that's the best we can possibly understand or comprehend Him because that's the way He revealed Himself to us. And we know He would have only done the best that He could possibly do. The clearest way to explain Himself to us is what He has given to us in Scripture. And we can trust it and we can believe it. 
God has revealed himself to us the best possible way that he could for us to understand him, to understand his love, to understand his sacrifice for us through his son, Jesus Christ, and his desire to make a way for us to have a relationship with him. And Jesus Christ baffled the apostles when he said, it's better that I go back to heaven and sit down next to the father because I'm going to send you a helper that's better than if I stayed here with you. And it didn't make sense to them. And sometimes it still doesn't make sense to us. But it's the truth. And we have the Holy Spirit with us just like they did. And He's here to give us the power and the ability to do everything God has called us to do. A.W. Tozer sums up the unity of God so well in one statement. He says, all of God does all that God does. All of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, does all that God does. They don't act apart from each other. There's no conversations. They're just in unity. God never does anything without being in perfect unity within Himself. As I mentioned earlier, we struggle even with being in unity with ourselves. Forget another person being in the mix. We second-guess ourselves. We go back and forth between decisions. And even after we've made that decision, we struggle with it, whether it was the right one or not. That's a foreign concept to God. There is no such division within Himself. No second-guessing. He really does have it all figured out. And we can trust Him. Now that we've seen that God brings unity wherever He goes because He is unity. I want us to take a look at how the Holy Spirit worked and brought unity into the early church throughout the book of Acts. First of all, I want to point out that in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 42 times. That's the most of any book in the Bible. The the apostles recognized the constant activity of the Holy Spirit in their midst throughout the early church. The second most is Luke, and he's mentioned 13 times in the Luke, so over three times as many times as the next book. We're going to start in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Here we read, it says, and it'll be on on the screen. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort or encouragement of the Holy Spirit, and it multiplied. The church grew and multiplied under the influence and encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Church history has proven growing numerically and staying together in unity is very difficult. But as they walked together in the unity of the Holy Spirit, He accomplished that. In Acts 10.44, we see that the Holy Spirit unified Jewish and non-believers, uh, non-Jewish believers into one kingdom of God. That was unheard of. They, they had all, the Jewish nation had always been set apart. God set them apart as an example, and that's what we find throughout the whole uh, Old Testament. But even in the Old Testament, God was prophesying to the new covenant when everyone would be brought together. Yet when it happened, the Jews weren't ready for it. 
And we read here in verse 44, it says, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And the Gentiles just means non-Jewish. So these circumcised Jewish men were amazed because they said, we just witnessed the Holy Spirit fall on these uncircumcised Gentiles just like He did us. There wasn't any difference. The Holy Spirit united the kingdom of God, Jew and non-Jew, together as one kingdom. In Acts 20, 22-23, we see that the Holy Spirit speaks the same word. In God's unity of who He is, He's not going to say one thing to one person and something else to another. In verse 22 it says, And now, behold, I, and this is Paul writing, am going to Jerusalem constrained. And that word constrained means compelled or under the authority by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies me to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. So Paul's being compelled, uh, sent by the Holy Spirit to go, even though he knows that imprisonment and affliction await him. Now we jump to Acts 21, verse 10, and this is uh, in that same process, but now the Holy Spirit speaks the word to other believers. Verse 10, it says, While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Verse 12, when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. It was the will of God that Paul go to Jerusalem and that he, he was going to uh, go to Rome from that point and eventually he was going to be killed. And that was his end. And Paul was ready to go to that end in the same way that Jesus Christ was empowered and led by the Holy Spirit to the cross. The Apostle Paul was empowered and led to his martyrdom death through this process. And what Paul was saying is, yeah, I know what's coming. And I know the Holy Spirit has told y'all what's coming. But it's okay. That's just the plan that he has for me. It wasn't a warning to get out. It was just, here's what's ahead, Paul. But he spoke the same word. And the reason I want to uh, highlight that this morning is because when we go to God, when the body of Christ goes to God, God is only going to be speaking one word. He's not going to tell one person one thing and another another thing that's going to conflict and cause division in the body of Christ. It doesn't mean that we're not called to different ministries or to work in different giftings. He's absolutely going to call us to different things. But God will not lead two people in His body, in the body of Christ, to go and compete and clash head to head where there's going to be division caused within the body. If that's happening, either both or one is missing God. There's no question. There's absolutely no question. 
Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit unify us in the body of Christ. And when we are listening and following Christ and the Holy Spirit, we will be in unity. This is why it is so important for us to go to God for direction in every single area of our life. God wants you to have unity in your marriage. He wants you to have unity with your spouse in raising up your children. He wants us to be in unity in this body. He wants the body of Christ in Lampasas to be in unity. He wants us to be in unity when we go to our places of work and in our school, in the work that He has called us to do, and in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do what He has sent us there to do. Our eldership uh, operates in that manner. We have five elders on our elder board, and we do not do anything unless we're in total agreement. Most of the churches that I talk to, they're kind of in awe when we explain how our government works because they're like, how do you ever get five men to agree with each other? And the answer's simple. We go to God and we ask what He's saying because He's only going to tell us one thing. And we know, we absolutely know, if we are in disagreement, either we're all wrong or some of us are wrong. Someone's not hearing God. Because he's only going to say one thing. And if we're in disagreement, we wait and we pray. And we'll table it and we'll pray and we'll come back next month and we'll talk about it again. If we're not in unity, we'll wait. Because we're not going to move forward until we know that we're hearing the voice of God. That's how we should work in our marriage. That's how we should work in our relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ. If there's something going wrong in between us, if there's something uh, that, that needs to be dealt with, then we need to deal with it. We need to have those conversations so that we can walk forward in unity. God is always in unity. He will never contradict Himself. When we hear His voice, we can move forward in confidence, not questioning, not doubting. When you hear a word from God and you follow that direction, you can be confident in that decision. You don't have to second-guess yourself. You don't have to go back. As I was thinking about that this morning, uh, our building of NCC West came to mind. God had told us uh, you know, to, to, to save up the money in advance, and we had uh, that money saved up for that building. And uh, then the, the first round, I guess you'd call it, of the pandemic hit. And everything was kind of in question. We didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, we had the few weeks where we, we weren't even meeting in person and, you know, didn't know what was coming. And, and, but we were ready to start construction. And I prayed and I asked God, I was like, are we supposed to set this aside? You know, I know what we thought you said this was for. Well, maybe it was so that we'd have a reserve and, and who knows what, what storm we're about to go through. And that may be what this was for. And so I, I, I just took that to God. And he said, no, I told you to do that so that you could do it when it was time. And I I presented that to the elders, and we were all in agreement, and we never looked back, and we never questioned it, because we heard him say, no, build it, build it. Like, okay, that's all we need to know. There was no question, there was no doubting, because we were doing what he said to do, and he provided every step of the way until it was completely done, and never one hiccup. Only God. Only God could do those kind of things in the middle of that, but the only way we can follow Him that way is if we're listening to His voice and following it when we hear it. 
And He calls us to do that in every area of our life. He will never say two conflicting things to you about your marriage. He will never tell your spouse one thing and you another. If He is, one or both of you are missing it. No question. He's never going to tell you and your spouse two different ways to raise your child. If He does, one or both of you are missing it. If you seek Him for unity, He will speak and show you the way. And if you don't, Mike, Candy, and I have, have done this many times where we, we don't know what to do, so we wait. You don't have to, like, we always think we just, well, i got to do something. We have to make some decision. Well, sometimes, yeah, but a lot of times, no. You really can't just wait. And if He's not giving you the answer, then your best, Solution is absolutely wait. Because we definitely know we're good at making a mess of things. When we, when we make our own decision and then we find ourselves, well, I shouldn't have done that. Or was that the right one? Was it, you know, we go back and forth doubting within ourselves. But when we know that we've heard the voice of God, you can make that decision like Paul and say, I don't, I'm ready to die. If that's what it's taking me to, fine. Because I know what God said and I know He told me to go to Jerusalem. No question. It doesn't, nothing else matters at that point. He may not tell us what the circumstances are going to be, how it's going to unfold, whether, whether people looking in from the outside, like the other people in the church, they were telling them, Paul, this is bad. It's not going to be good. You're either going to get in prison or you're going to get killed. This is a bad circumstance. But Paul's saying it's not about the circumstance. It's about what God's calling us to do and He told me to go. So it doesn't matter. And you're just adding to it by breaking my heart. Because you're you're trying to convince me like Peter tried to convince Jesus not to go to the cross. And Jesus' response was, Get behind me, Satan! You are trying to bring disunity into my house. I'm going to do what the Father sent me to do because I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Get out of my way. That's that's what our heart should be when we're in the kingdom of God, to do whatever it is that He's calling us to do regardless of the circumstances. Colossians 3, 13-14 instructs us by saying, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, perfect unity. If we're to stay in perfect harmony and unity within our family and within our church and within our community, then we need to forgive each other as God has forgiven us and put on love. Earlier in Romans 7.19, I mentioned how Paul said that we can't even do what we want to do. And that's on our own. But just a few verses later in Romans 8.2, Paul writes this. He says, For the law of the Spirit of life And I love that He calls the Holy Spirit there the Spirit of life. The law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit will set us free to be able to follow Him the way that our our heart and soul desire to follow Him. 
The enemy is attacking believers relentlessly. He's attacking our marriages. He's attacking our children. He's attacking the church. And he's trying to cause division. And his desire today is the same as it has always been. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus Christ rose from the dead and went to heaven so that he could send us the Holy Spirit, the Helper, the Spirit of life that will set us free in Christ Jesus. And He gives us the ability and the power to do what God is calling us to do in unity. Because that's the only way that God knows how to do anything. All that of God does all that God does. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all of them do everything that they do together in perfect unity. When they speak... It's in unity. When they move, it's in unity. When they wait, it's in unity. And the Holy Spirit's come to empower us to walk in that same unity. Jesus Christ said, told the disciples, this is how they're going to know that you're my followers if you love one another. If you're in unity, if you're together, if you're all hearing my voice and following it together. People can be in unity on the wrong thing. Unity for unity's sake is not what we're talking about. We're talking about unity on the Word of God, the written and spoken Word of God, what He is saying today for us, for His people in the body of Christ. That is what we are called to unify on. And the Holy Spirit is here and present on the earth today to empower us and to give us the ability to do that. Will you bow with me as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You that You are here. You are, on the, you are all over this earth. Lord, Your kingdom has come. Your will is being done today. Lord, and You're calling us to join with You in that work. Father, I pray that our ears would be open to hear your voice. Our eyes would be open to see the work that your hands are doing. Lord, that we would have the obedience to hear you and follow you and do what you're calling us to do. Whatever it may be, no matter what the cost may be. Lord, I thank you that your word's going forth and it will not return void. Your kingdom has come. Your will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we give you all glory, all honor, and all praise, Lord, to you and you alone. Glorify your Son, Jesus Christ, in this earth today. Lift Him up that every eye, Lord, throughout this earth would know that you are God and you are seated on your throne. And that has not and will not ever change. Father, we pray this over our city, over this state, over our nation, and over this world. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. If you're sick of turmoil in your life, those around you, it's just as easy as asking the Holy Spirit to come in and bring unity within you. God, bring me in line with your will and what you have for me. A little less of me, a little more of you.
It's just that easy. Thank you, Chris. That was a great message this morning. There'll be quick announcements for you before you leave. Tonight, if you're in the 6th grade through the 12th grade, go over to NCC West Building at 430. Meet over there with your friends. Discover what unity can be like in your age group. It's a pretty amazing thing. This Wednesday night, October the 20th, we will not be having any activities. There will be no services for youth, for children, life groups, anything at NCC because we want you to go to the high school and participate in fields of faith. Uh, encourage and celebrate our Christian athletes that we have there. If it's raining, it's not going to be canceled. It's just going to be moved to the gym. So meet over there from 630 to 715 and support the Christian youth in our community. Um, Next Sunday night, October 24th, ladies, there will be a movie just for you here in here in here on the big screen. We're showing War Room. It is an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, you need to grab a friend, a lady friend, bring them with you. It's free to everybody in the community. We will have popcorn and bottled water available for you. Lastly, remember last week we started our Thanksgiving food drive. So there's bags outside on the table, or you can just grab one of these sheets that has the shopping list on it. Pick up one or everything on here. Bring it, put it on your favorite ministry table. Celebrate one of our uh, youth ministries, whether it's early childhood, uh, the kindergarten through fifth grade, or sixth grade and above. There's three tables out there. Have a little competition. We'll see which one of them wins, but ultimately we'll bless a local family with a full Thanksgiving meal and a turkey to go along with that. Amen. Let me pray for you real quick. Father God, thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to bring unity not only within us as individuals, but in your body as well. So Holy Spirit, just have your rule and reign over us this week. Show us what the Father's will is and help us to walk that out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 